Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Streak for the Pod. So we got part two of our March Madness breakdown for you guys. If you missed part one, uh, it was released on Monday. The last episode was on the Midwest and South regions. And today we'll be breaking down the West and the East regions. So if you're looking for the other two regions, make sure you check out Monday's episode. Just a reminder, you can find us on Instagram, at StreakForThePod. And if you're listening on iTunes, leave us a rating and review. We'd love your feedback. So I'm back with Abhijay again. What's up, man? Uh, any changes hey, since um, Monday's podcast? Because I know, you know, tinkering with your bracket and stuff. Anything you kind of changed your yeah. mind on or anything? Any new info? Uh, so far, not really. Um but there are some uh, interesting line note, like line notes that I saw and line moves, sure. uh, specifically so like related the, to the, uh, the Oregon Wisconsin game. Oh yeah, one second, man. I just wanted to um, uh, kind of explain to our listeners. So what Abijai is uh, referring to and has been talking about is kind of the line movements on the game. So that's like the betting lines, the spread, how much one team is favored to another. Most of you guys probably know that, but just wanted to explain it if we have any uh, first-time listeners. Anyways, yeah, what were you saying, Abijai, about the Oregon and Wisconsin game? Yeah, so when this line opened up for Oregon and Wisconsin, Oregon took money immediately. They went to minus one and a half. And uh, actually, since today, this morning, uh, Wisconsin's gone all the way from plus one to minus two. So money's coming back for its good two-way action. Um, Depending on, I mean, for me, the line moves somewhat matter, but for the most part, I try to stick to my own models and algorithms. Uh, what about you, Ronick? Do you are you going to change your mind based on uh, the movement of money here? Yeah. So actually, my theory on this Oregon Wisconsin line, uh, not to get too bogged down in one matchup that we've already done, but I think it's an important concept. Uh, people's models. This is ex- kind of exploiting uh, people's models being inaccurate. So. Um, if you look at most models that are actually accurate and like predicting correctly, uh, right now they actually have Oregon rated quite highly. And the reason is, is that, um, for people who don't know, Oregon lost their superstar freshman bowl bowl, who is kind of the cornerstone of their team, uh, really early on in the year. And since then they were kind of finding an identity, but since they, since they found an identity, uh, around February, uh, they've been rated as a very, very good team. If you adjust the ratings, um, they've been around a number four and five seed, is what I'm hearing from uh, people who've been doing models. So the thing is, is that I think this uh, whole Wisconsin-Oregon back and forth, I think the early money was the smart money. And I think the late money that's coming in is kind of people looking at uh, some inaccurate models and thinking, oh, well, Wisconsin's way better than Oregon, uh, but not taking into account how Oregon has played lately. But that's just my two cents on that. Uh, what do you think? You think that's uh, mm-hmm. accurate, or? Yeah, I think that's accurate. I mean, the, I mean, to be honest, um, to move a March Madness line, you have to have a lot of money. Like to put it put, put it softly, like, you have to have a lot of capital. It's, these are uh, syndicates moving money, like moving lines, and and um, for for the initial money, I would say the Oregon money came mainly due to the the uh, their performance in the Pac-12 uh, tournament, really. Whereas Wisconsin got uh, knocked out early by Michigan State and really a game that they didn't really uh, compete very, very much. So Sorry, was it Michigan State or was it Minnesota that Wisconsin lost to? Uh, I thought, no, I'm pretty sure they lost to Michigan State. Okay, Michigan State then. Yeah, because they were were lined as a five and a half point dog and they lost by like 12 or something. 
Sure. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure. No, okay, that's fair. I mean, I don't want to get bogged down into one game too much. I think it was just important to uh, talk about that. And then, so one yeah, more. They were, uh, they were eliminated by by Michigan State. Okay, just cool. to confirm. Glad we got that down. Uh, yeah. So I did want to talk about um, some changes I made since Monday's episode. I just want to kind of come in with one big fact: uh, the potential Cincinnati and Tennessee game in the round of 32. Uh, if you have Cincinnati beating Iowa. And uh, Tennessee would obviously be advancing more, more than more likely than not against Colgate. But those two teams, if they are playing each other, uh, they'll be playing in Columbus, Ohio, which is going to basically be be a home game for Cincinnati. So that's kind of important to note. Um, if you uh, have Tennessee going far, that that's kind of a tough game for them since they're playing a basically a road environment. Um, I've since then changed uh, Virginia to come out of that region just because I think it's a little. Um, you know, I just think it's risky to go Tennessee, especially because Tennessee, by a lot of power ratings, is one of the weaker two seeds. And another thing I've changed is down in the Midwest region, uh, I picked Kentucky to go to the Final Four. Uh, I just think that between them and North Carolina, it's actually kind of close, closer than people expect. And since a lot of people are going to North Carolina, a good thing in your bracket pool is to kind of fade the favorite. So that's why I'm going with Kentucky. So what do you think about those changes, Abhijay? Yeah, just real um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't dispute the uh, the the Virginia uh, change that you made, um, you know, I mean, Tennessee is a very good team. Let's not be mistaken here, but you know, Virginia, in my opinion, they, they're a team that that's coming out in this tournament with an edge and a point to prove, especially after becoming the first team, first one seed ever to get upset by a 16. So you could definitely expect them to, uh, to really come out here and prove a point. And, and yeah, I mean, personally, for me, I'd probably still stick with Tennessee, but just because I feel like their um, their size and length will give Virginia problems, the same way that uh, Florida State gave them problems. But I wouldn't fault anyone for going Virginia. They'd probably be the favorites in that game, anyways. Yeah, sure, sure. So um, yeah, anyways, I, I want to move on to the other two regions that we haven't done yet, and that's the West and the East region. So how about we start at the top of the bracket? Uh, in the East region. Uh, just some info, the first four game between Belmont and Temple finished, and Belmont did win that game um, by a score of 81-70. to 70. So just to note that um, Maryland and Belmont will be facing, uh, in case you're waiting the uh, news of the play-in game for the 6-11. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so we'll start with the top four seeds like we did last podcast. Uh, so any of the top four seeds, uh, number one, Duke, number two, Michigan State, number three, LSU, or number four, Virginia Tech, do, which one of them do you think are in any trouble, uh, Robbie Jai? Um, I would say I would say LSU, but but not by a whole lot because um, I mean obviously as as we all know, Will Wade is uh, currently suspended. Uh, from the team due to uh, the FBI investigation. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I mean, losing their coach going into the, into March madness is a pretty big deal, especially when it comes to like game planning, because you don't have a lot of time to prepare for teams. And Yale is honestly like, uh, they were the class of the Ivy league this year, by far and away. Yeah. Yale and is they, actually a very good team. Um, yeah. They were a very, very underrated team that not a lot of people are going to look at. But uh, yeah, currently they're an eight-point underdog, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I there's actually been money coming in on Yale. Actually, they're down to seven and a half. So from a spread perspective, I'd go Yale. But 
that's beside the point. Uh, we're just looking at straight up. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree with you that LSU is the team that's in like the biggest jeopardy here. So if there is like one big upset, I would put my money on Yale. Uh, also, Ivy League teams are really tough to defend, and then you, LSU doesn't even have their uh, actual head coach, so that kind of compounds the factor. Um, I definitely think LSU is a little bit of trouble here, but um, that's the only team I really see having any sort of issues. <laughs> so uh, we'll just kind of start at the top. So obviously we have Duke advancing as a one seed, uh, yeah. but. An interesting matchup, VCU and UCF. Uh, UCF, I think, has the tallest player in a major college basketball in Taco Fall. And uh, VCU is one of the uh, shorter teams in the NCAA, I believe. And uh, they, um, you know, still play that Havoc style, uh, if you remember from, uh, you know, way back when, uh, when they made that Final Four run. And uh, UCF is, uh, you know, they have one of the tallest players going up against one of the shortest teams. Uh, so what what do you think about that, Abhijay? Yeah, one thing to note with the uh, Virginia Commonwealth, uh, they they're really good at forcing turnovers. So that that could be a, that could be a potential issue for UCF. Um, obviously, UCF with uh, Tucker Fall um, absolutely dominant in the post, and they don't even have to run any offense for him. They could just get him to the ball, and he'll just lay it in or dunk it. So. Um, I mean, obviously he uh, like a six seven or he's six no no he's seven six yeah got that right yeah, seven, seven six, six. Yeah. it will pose a problem for any team in this this tournament so I would lean UCF um, but I don't really have a strong opinion on this one uh, the line let's check that right now uh, and while you're getting the line uh, my pick would also be UCF um, honestly it could go either way I've been going back and forth yeah. VCU and UCF this, yeah this this line is right now pick them with sli- the slight edge the slightest of edges to Central Florida so I mean personally I would go UCF just because of the uh, the size down low matchup and the overall length yeah I mean my one thing is uh, VCU may be missing their star point guard Marcus Evans he got hurt in the uh, Atlantic 10 tournament game that they lost to Rhode Island so that kind of is a reason I have UCF right now. But um, checking the recent news on Marcus Evans, um, he seems to be getting better every day. So I guess we'll see uh, if he plays or not. If he plays, then it's really tough. Uh, I might switch to VCU, but uh, I don't know. I think it, it's a pick em. It doesn't really matter for your bracket pools, honestly, one eight nine game. But I guess I would go UCF by, by a nod. Uh, how about we move on to the 5-12 matchup, Mississippi State and Liberty. Uh, you know, early there's a lot of buzz about Liberty possibly pulling an upset in this game. What do you think about that, Abhijay? Uh, I, I wouldn't expect upset here. Uh, Mississippi State's one of the more uh, solid uh, SEC teams. And uh, actually, for the most part, they're a pretty underrated season. So I would I definitely not, I would not try to fade them here. Yeah, I agree, man. I think Liberty is one of the weaker 12 seeds in the field. Um I think a lot of people were sort of seeing who Mississippi State was going to get because uh, they wanted to fade them. Uh, Mississippi State isn't a bad team, but they're not a great team, and, and they do struggle sometimes with turnovers on the offensive end, so that can kind of you know keep uh, less uh, lesser teams in the game. But Liberty is weak, man. I don't see them uh, beating Mississippi State, and I think you're in agreement with me, right? Yeah, I totally agree. Cool. Uh, Virginia Tech over St. Louis for me. Um, do you do you think St. Louis has a chance? I think they're again one of the weaker no. thirteen seeds, and Virginia Tech is one of the stronger four seeds. Especially, especially with the news of Justin Robinson being clear to play. Exactly, no chance. Yep. 
I actually I actually really like Virginia Tech to make a decent run here. Um, especially with Justin Robinson. Like I mean, I like as when I think he got injured uh midseason and they struggled for a bit, but Kerry uh Blackshear Jr., he stepped up in a big way to carry this team, like getting that marquee win over Duke, albeit they didn't have Zion. So uh, take that for what you will. But it's still a huge win nonetheless. Um yeah, I, I really like Virginia Tech with Justin Robinson. Yeah, it's unfortunate, oh, yeah. man. If they were going up against anyone other than Duke in the Sweet 16, and honestly, I think if they didn't have to play Duke in the Sweet 16, I might just take that team to go to the Final Four. That's how much I think about Virginia Tech. They are a good team, man. They are really solid. They pass the ball well. They shoot almost 40% from three-point range. They're one of those uh, major Power 5 schools that plays like a mid-major uh, that you can see pulling upsets. And when you put that combination together, I think you have a very dangerous school. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they beat Duke, to be honest. But uh, I'll, I'll talk about that yeah. later. I mean, if they didn't have Justin Robinson, I would, I would give them, like, no chance to beat Duke. But with him, yeah, there's, there's uh, upset potential there, for sure. Yeah, with Justin Robinson, the sky's the limit, for sure. Let's jump to the 6-11 game. So that's Maryland and Belmont. So Belmont just won the play-in game. Uh, what do you think about their chances to pull an upset here? I think they have a solid chance here. Uh, Maryland, for me, they've really been an up-and-down team. I've, I've, I don't really see much consistency game-to-game with this team. Um, and Belmont, yeah, they, they they get an extra game under their legs, but I mean, when it, when it comes down to it, I, I don't trust Maryland at all. So I'd, I'd take the shot at the underdog here for sure in Belmont. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely see that. Um, in my opinion, though, yeah, I mean, this is a game that could go either way. I still really haven't decided on Maryland and Belmont. Um, I think as far as upsets go, this is definitely uh, one of the easier ones to, or this is one of the more popular ones to pick, I'd say, because, I mean, uh, if you're looking at the other 6-11 games, uh, Iowa State, Ohio State, Iowa State is definitely winning that. Uh, Villanova, St. Mary's. Um, Villanova actually has... Uh, power ratings wise, Villanova has a pretty decent chance in that game. And the closest game, uh, according to 538, I was looking at that earlier, is Maryland and Belmont. So mm-hmm. if there's a 6 11 game that's really favored, uh, it'd be this one. Oh, totally. I agree. Yeah. So I think we already talked about LSU and Yale enough. So we'll move to Louisville and Minnesota. One interesting storyline about this game is uh, uh, Minnesota's head coach is Richard Patino, who's uh, Rick Patino's son, who was fired from Louisville earlier so a lot of people are hailing this as the uh rick patino is going to get his revenge kind of game but uh i don't think so i think louisville is significantly better than minnesota i think it's an easy win for louisville what do you think man yeah totally agree um you know minnesota had like an amazing win over purdue um i mean actually they beat purdue two times in the span of 10 days which is absolutely ridiculous when you look at their their overall body of record they they were not good uh for the most part of the big 10 uh louisville i don't know what to say about the team like they're so talented yet if you remember in that duke game they blew a 24 point lead and uh and they couldn't handle the press at all but that being said i like i said with minnesota and maryland these are two teams i just have no faith in whatsoever they're just so inconsistent game to game sometimes they'll show you sometimes they won't but louisville for me is the play here they're just they're too dominant of a team 
Tua lose to Minnesota, in my opinion. Especially especially Minnesota, knowing that they'll be away from home and they've been pretty ter- they've had a pretty poor track record away from home as well. Sure. Yeah, I mean that's a good call for sure. I think we're in agreement in Louisville there. Uh, then Michigan State, obviously. So we'll move on to the Sweet 16 in the East region. So uh, first game, Duke and a UCF for both of us, or VCU. I think either way, we have Duke advancing, right? Not a real competitive game by any means. Yeah, I I, I really don't see a, a whole lot of... I mean, it's it, it's Duke versus UCF. I, there's the only The one thing I will say about this matchup is it'll be really interesting to see uh, Zion Williamson posted up against Taco Fall. That would be really fun to watch. That would be. I mean, to be honest, Taco Fall usually doesn't even play more than 25 minutes a game because I think because he's so big, uh, there's a fear of injury and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. When you're so big, there's a bigger load to carry for the rest of your body. So, I mean, that's kind of the issue, right? Uh, when If Duke gets out and running, I don't even know if Taco Fall can keep up, man. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, an up-tempo game will not favor UCF with, at all. Yeah, I think so, that, that's I, the one thing that might actually favor VCU if they were to go up against Duke uh, because they're used to playing kind of an up-tempo game. Um, you know, maybe they could keep up for a little bit. But either way, I think we have Duke advancing to the... Uh, or sorry, this yeah. is the round of 32. I misspoke earlier saying the Sweet 16. We have Duke advancing to the Sweet 16 uh, after a win in this game. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we both have the 4-5 in the, in the uh, round of 32. That's Virginia Tech and Mississippi State. So you were saying you had Mississippi State as kind of an underrated team. So do you think that they can beat Virginia Tech in advance for the Sweet 16? Not, not with Justin Robinson. No chance. I, there's something I just love Virginia Tech. Uh, knowing that they have Kerry Blackshear and Justin Robinson uh, playing together at a high level, there's, there's no way I would take Mississippi State over Vautech here. Sure. Sounds good. I, I'm in agreement with that. I think Vautech over Mississippi State for sure. I've already spoken about how much I love Virginia Tech, so um, they ha- they're in the Sweet 16 against Duke. So next, uh, I- I'm going to have Maryland against LSU for now. Um, I just think that Maryland, um, I like the way they slow down the pace a little bit, and I like the way that uh, they-, they have two big men uh, in uh, Justin Smith, I believe, something Smith, and, um, and Bruno Fernando that are kind of hard to cover, so that's why I like him over Belmont. But anyways, uh, Maryland against LSU or Belmont against LSU, do you think uh, either of the teams can beat LSU and move on? I would say probably not. Um, yeah, I mean, I know Belmont has a, a very good, uh, uh, it's a, a very efficient offense uh, when you look at the metrics, but uh, I think going up against an, uh, an SEC quality foe, I think they're going to really struggle here, and they're going to really struggle defending down low, so I, I'd have to go LSU. Cool. Yeah, sounds good. I, I agree. I think LSU will advance to the Sweet 16, improbably, by the way, uh, without even their head coach. So I think that's a that's actually a good thing in the in the tournament pools as well as like teams that you know other people get a little upset happy, especially in, if you're in a format that doesn't really reward upset picks in any way. Like some people have pools where there's upset bonuses, but if there's no upset bonus, then honestly, it's it's kind of better to sometimes like. Uh, pick teams that other people are fading like lsu has so like like fade written all over it like taking them to go to the sweet 16 might actually win you some points against people who would otherwise pick them to uh, get upset so that's just one thing exactly I to yeah and for lsu uh, yeah taking them straight up not a problem but uh against the spread i'll be looking to fade this team a lot oh yeah, yeah, yeah. i definitely don't think they'll be playing to expectation yeah uh, whatsoever I, I like yale actually that seven and a half point spread you were talking about 
Yeah. Um, actually, I like it better at eight, but uh, yeah, you could you could still find an eight around, but yeah, definitely that uh, Yale is one to watch over there for sure. Yeah. So next game, uh, Louisville, Michigan State. Um, you know, Louisville is actually a team I like a lot, but unfortunately, uh, Michigan State I think is just too good, and I think they end up being Louisville. What do you think? Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, as good as as talented and and um, uh, great as Louisville is, I just don't. I don't trust this team in in clutch situations against a step up competition, especially like Michigan State. Especially when you consider that Michigan State has Nick Ward back, and they've got Cassius Winston rested up, say five five six days almost. Uh, yeah, I really I really like Michigan State to go uh, fairly deep here. We'll see uh, coming up next, but definitely Michigan State here for me. Cool. So Sweet Sixteen, Duke, Virginia Tech. Um, I kind of already talked about it how I would have Virginia Tech in the final four out of this region if they didn't have to play Duke. So, uh, predictably, I have Duke beating Virginia Tech. I just think with Zion back, um, Virginia Tech doesn't have the same advantage. Um, even like I think Zion coming back for Duke might actually mean more than Justin Robinson back for Virginia Tech. And the reason why is just because Duke's team has three players, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, and Zion Williamson. If you take one of the big three away, it makes a huge impact on the rest of the team. Whereas if you take Justin Robinson away from Virginia Tech, they have players like Ahmed Hill who can kind of step up and give you like, you know, 60, 65% of the production that Robinson um, gave you. So anyway, mm-hmm. that's why I like Duke over Virginia Tech. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Abhijay? Also, one thing to add to uh, the injury uh, concerns for uh, Duke. So Marcus Bolden, he actually got knocked out during the, uh, the uh, ACC tournament. He's actually on schedule to return to the NCAA tournament, which is huge because yeah, that's big uh, they've been lacking guy, a, a low post presence. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yes. I mean, just another reason to pick Duke. Uh, I'm assuming yeah. you're going with them here and not Virginia. Tech. Yeah. I'd have to go Duke, but cool. I, I, I really like Virginia tech, but I, I have to concede here. I <laughs> got to go Duke. Yeah. It's, it's really unfortunate, man. As soon as I saw the bracket, I was really sad because Virginia tech was going to be one of my sleeper final four picks, but you know, yeah, dude, I totally agree. the bracket never sets up how you want it to. So, that's that. Um, so next, we are going to have LSU and Michigan State in the Sweet 16. Um, I think this is where LSU's mini run comes to an end. I think Michigan State is obviously going to be the better coach team uh, with LSU having like a backup coach. And I think Michigan State plays with more discipline. And I think overall, Michigan State is going to blow out LSU. Uh, but that's just my opinion. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I'd see Michigan State uh, winning here. Um, no, the coaching, yeah, you, you spoke about it earlier, the coaching edge. Michigan State is ridiculously large. I mean, Tom Izzo, I would I would take him over most coaches, let alone a backup coach, so or an assistant head coach. So uh, yeah, Michigan State for me, especially coaching down at this point in the uh, to Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, coaching will matter a lot here. Yeah, exactly. So then it's the the big Kahuna here, uh, Elite Eight, the uh, number one overall seed against arguably the highest rated number two seed, uh, Duke and Michigan State. So uh, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and give my prediction. Uh, to be honest, I think Michigan State, um, it's kind of unfortunate, but they've had a lot of injuries this year. Uh, you talk about the, the injury to uh, Langford. They're a shooting guard. Um, they've kind of bat- uh, they lost uh, one of their depth pieces, uh, Kyle Arns or something is his name. Uh, he broke his ankle or, or something like that, and he'll definitely not be playing in the NCAA tournament. And so I think they, uh, the depth, uh, their depth really takes a hit. And overall, I just think they won't be able to compete with what Duke has to offer. So I, I'm going to take Duke to come out of this region to the Final Four. What about you, Abhijay? 
Yeah, I mean, it's really close. I really like both teams, and both both have great head coaches. But it really could, yeah, it definitely comes down to injuries here. I mean, Cassius Winston, he did have he did tweak his ankle um, uh, during the ACC tournament. So, I mean, yes, he's going to get a few days of rest. But by this time, if they were to beat up against Duke, that'd be another three games on his body. So I don't know how you hold up. And then obviously Nick Ward is still yet to, um, I mean, it's still his second game in. So uh, it's just the injury concerns that give it, give it to Duke for me. Yeah, exactly. I think Duke just has a little too much firepower to get to the final four. Um, just talking from an analytics perspective as well. Um, you know, if a lot of people are in bracket pools of sizes, like 20 to 30 people, you know, it's it is good to fade Duke at some point because they are the prohibitive favorite and like more people more percentage of people in your bracket pool are gonna pick Duke than their actual chance to win the national championship is. But at the same time, you don't want to fade Duke too early and then lose out on the obvious points. So I think Precisely. I think it's quite obvious to put Duke into the final four because I think almost everyone is gonna have them up to the final four and they have such a high chance of doing it. Just compared to the other teams in the region, I think Duke has a significant advantage. Uh, so that's why I think it's very important that most people put them in the Final Four. But uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, Duke is like, it's it's not even arguable that they're the best team in the, the nation, like with Zion Williamson, obviously. That being said, anything can happen over the span of three, four games. If one guy gets injured or if Zion... I mean, God forbid gets injured again, that changes the whole outlook of your bracket pool. So everyone who took basically at that point who took Duke to win it all, they're pretty much out of it. So then again, of course, if Duke wins it all, then and even if you pick Duke, you're still competing with probably eight, nine people in your bracket pool, anyways. So yeah, I definitely I'd I'd rather differentiate myself from the crowd at some point. Like probably in the final four, which I will we'll get to next, but yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and I and I just don't think Michigan State is a strong enough team that you could kind of like bet, um, like you can kind of hedge against Duke with Michigan State. I just don't think Michigan State's strong enough of, as a team to to do that, in my opinion. If there was like, for example, mm-hmm. um, if you had like a team like Kentucky that's also like uh, has depth and star power, I would actually give Kentucky like a better chance in Michigan State of upsetting Duke. But that, that might be a point of disagreement, so we won't get too much into that. Uh, let's move into the West region now. So uh, the top four seeds in the West region, Gonzaga, Michigan, Texas Tech, and Florida State. So any of them uh, on upside alert, Abhijay? Uh, you know, actually, in this bracket, I don't really see much of an upset happening. But I will say this about... Uh, Michigan, I would say they're probably the weakest two seed in this entire bracket, and they're the most vulnerable, in my opinion. Yeah, they are the weakest two seed. I agree with that, but I still think that relative to previous years, like the weakest two seed is usually like a team that should have been more like a four or five seed. But I think Michigan is still like the eighth best team in the country, uh, even though they are the weakest two seed. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, they're still a very good defense, but man on offense they go they go for four or five minute stretches without scoring anything so that that doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence especially when you you look at 
their three matchups against Michigan State, uh, a team that's really what most would consider fifth or sixth best in the in the entire bracket, uh, and the fact that they're struggling against their defense does not give me or does not instill a lot of confidence for me in them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and we'll get to that part of the bracket and those matchups uh, really quickly. I think there's been some mm-hmm. buzz about Vermont beating Florida State. I just don't see it. Florida State no. is way too talented to lose to a lesser team. Absolutely. Um, they are inconsistent at times, but I just think that uh, they actually have some veterans that can have them playing the right way. Florida State actually is probably the deepest team in the entire conference. I mean, not, not conference, entire uh, field. Yeah, I agree, they, man. They are deep they have and talented players. Super deep team and super athletic and super uh, long. And they have a pretty even keel coach in Leonard Hamilton. So, And, and they've honestly, they've seen a lot of uh, really good teams. I mean, they've played Duke. They've played UNC. They've played Syracuse. So they have, they've, they have the experience in the best conference and they have the depth. So, you know, this team could make a run. But yeah, we'll, we'll get started on, on this side. Yeah, so we'll start with Syracuse-Baylor. So two teams who like to primarily run a zone. Uh, who do you like in this game? I think it's kind of a toss-up. Uh, I, I want to I want to go with Syracuse here just because I trust uh, uh, Jim Beheim in uh, the tournament. Uh, Baylor, you know, they they really they really did not finish the uh, the season not very well as they would have liked to, and I I don't think they have uh, a lot of momentum going in. And Syracuse, like obviously. Like the coaching edge has to go to them, and they always seem to find a way to step up in uh in these uh, uh tough environments. So yeah, it's Syracuse or pass for me. Yep, it's a uh, it's a Syracuse game for me. Um, also, Abijay, you keep saying or pass. Um, we're not betting here, bro. You have to make a pick. <laughs> hey, sorry, man. It's a it's a habit. Yeah, betting habit. I, I see what you mean, but it's Syracuse for you, right? Yeah, yeah, Syracuse. Cool. Yeah, I mean, one interesting thing that kind of made me lean Syracuse is that Baylor, I think, is the shortest team in the NCAA, and Syracuse is one of the tallest. So uh, when two teams that play zone, um, height makes a big difference. So I think Syracuse takes the win here. But honestly, it could go either way. Mm-hmm. So next, uh, Marquette-Murray State in the five twelve game. A uh, lot of hype in this one, man. You have Marquette with Marcus Howard and Murray State with John Morant. So kind of battle of two... Uh, really um, popular guards and two, you know, really hyped up teams just because they have one guy who could really carry them. Who do you mm-hmm. like in this game? I, I want to say I, I like Marquette here, but not, not by a huge margin that most would. Um, you know, Marcus Howard obviously has carried the load for them most of the season. And, and it showed at times uh, down the stretch when, uh, when Howard got uh, tired basically because he's been carrying the team for so long it really it really showed that the team didn't really know how to win without them um it it's very uh similar to what happened last year with Oklahoma and Trey Young uh it started out hot and then as the season wore on Trey Young got more tired and started jacking up shots and the team really didn't know how to win without without him um but i will say in Marquette's last game i believe they showed uh, signs of uh, really learning how to play uh, complementary to him and sometimes even without him. Yeah, and they still lost to was, Seton Hall, though, in their last game in the Big East. They did tournament. lose by a bucket. But, yeah, no, I think there were some um, good signs coming out of uh, that game. So I, I, that gives me enough confidence to play him here. 
Yeah, I mean, my big thing is, uh, so, I mean, kind of just looking at John Morant and how he plays, because he's the most important player for Murray State. Uh, Murray State has a pretty good supporting cast, um, but the thing with John Morant is that when I see him play, he kind of, he, he can break teams down off the dribble, but he can't really shoot. And he, he's only 34%, and that's an NCAA three-point line. And then the other thing is I feel like he's always going to his left hand. So, you know, those two things kind of make me off Murray State just because if he goes to one side all the time and he can't really shoot, it makes him easier to defend. And in a game that I think is going to be very tightly contested, uh, I think the line was four points last time I checked, which is the lowest for all the 5-12 games for Marquette, uh, favored by four. So I think that that um, kind of makes me pick Marquette in this game. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. So next up, Florida State, Vermont. I think we already said uh, we were taking Florida State in that game. Not really a big chance of an upset. Uh, then the next game, this is a little tricky, and it's kind of unfortunate we're recording the podcast today because Buffalo is going to play the winner of Arizona State and St. John's, which is going to be played tomorrow night, uh, Wednesday night. Remember, we're recording this on Tuesday night. So um, I guess first, who do you think will win the play-in game? And then do you think they'll beat Buffalo? So I guess two picks in one. Um, yeah, so for the play-in game, uh, Arizona State versus St. John's, uh, I would definitely go with Arizona State here. Yeah, um, I agree that Arizona State. I just think that they showed, yeah, they, they've really been ascending uh, over the back half of the campaign. And yeah, I, I'm not really in any interest in going with St. John's. They've, they've lost four out of five coming into this uh, this tournament. And I mean, the, the one win they had was against a pretty poor DePaul team. So, yeah, I would definitely go Arizona State here. Sure. And then uh, Buffalo versus Arizona State, then. Who do you think uh, will get the win in that game? Man, that's tough. I mean, Buffalo's been lights out all year. I mean, they've ascended in the power rank- ranking so much. I'd probably go Buffalo here. Yeah, I- I'd go Buffalo as well over Arizona State. Um, for no reason other than I just don't think Arizona State's very good, and I really like how Buffalo plays the game. I think, honestly, a six seed is a little low for Buffalo, in my opinion, for their overall body of yeah, work. Yeah, I mean, it, but no, I totally agree, um, especially considering as good as Arizona State has played, I mean, they're still a Pac-12 team, which is part of the reason why I really want to stay away from trying to back any of these teams. So, yeah, it's definitely Buffalo. <laughs> Yeah, sounds good. So then uh, Texas Tech, Northern Kentucky, I think Texas Tech without much fear of an upset. Um, and then we'll move to the 7 no, I, I, Yeah. Yeah, what were you going to say? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Texas Tech? So we're, we're just going, we're going Texas Tech? Okay. Yeah, I mean, did you have a problem with that? You, you can go Northern Kentucky, man. No, no. No one's stopping no. you. No, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially, especially with Texas Tech coming off, losing to West Virginia like that. Yeah, there's there's absolutely no way they're they're letting that happen again. Exactly, and they're going to come fired up. Uh, so the next, one, this is a really interesting seven ten matchup, and I th- I almost feel like I need to recuse myself because anyone who knows me knows I'm a huge Florida fan, and so I'm obviously picking them. Um, I'll just give you a little uh, inside info on Florida, then I guess to all the listeners, um, Florida is a team that cannot play offense to save their lives. I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it in any way. They have a really young team. Their point guard, uh, Andrew Nebhard, uh, has only recently started kind of finding his groove, um, but he's really inconsistent offensively. Um, Kayvon Allen is, is a stud, but honestly, 
he's our shooting guard, and at times he can't really get it going. Jalen Hudson, after having a great year last year, fell off a lot this year. Um, we're not a very tall team by any means, uh, but but Florida's a tough team, and we play a lot of multiple defenses, and I think that we can beat Nevada. But obviously I'm a homer, so take what I said with a grain of salt. What do you think, Abhijay, from a more uh, neutral perspective? Please break it down for us. Well, actually, the matchup is perfect for you because you're a, a Florida homer and you're the biggest hater of Nevada. <laughs> I hate Nevada. That, I don't hate Nevada. Don't call me a hater, but at the same time, I, I don't see why everyone likes Nevada so much. But anyways, uh, uh, keep going, man. We need your neutral perspective for this game. Sure, sure. Um, I have no, I have no lean or not lean. I don't have any preference for either team, but uh, I will say this: Florida is very, very hard to watch on offense, but defensively they're very good. Um, Nevada, obviously, with the Martin twins, and uh, honestly, this team has a lot of talent. They've, I would say that coming into the season, they they had, they have more of a target on their back than in the last year they had where they just came in with a uh, free mind and uh, no one really saw them coming, uh, if you know what I mean. So the expectations were high. So, And uh, to tie in some uh, betting stuff, they were pretty poor against the spread this year, which might, which may or may not have turned the public opinion against this team. So I feel like they're kind of being underrated here as just a, a one-and-a-half-point uh, favorite. Um, but honestly, I, I still like Nevada here just because, uh, they bring back a lot of the, uh, talent they had last year and they've all had, uh, um, the experience of, of being in, in the tournament. So I, I think, I think it builds well from here. So I'm probably going to take, uh, Nevada here. Cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, no, no fall on you at all, but I think, so the thing here is, uh, you know, Nevada and Florida, uh, Florida likes to play a really slow pace, like to slow it down a lot. Nevada likes to speed it up more. So I think whichever team can control the pace will control the game. Uh, usually that favors teams that have the better offense, uh, that can make buckets and kind of play the way they want to play. And that's Nevada, um, if you're looking at who has a better offense in this game. So, you know, kind of if, if I were neutral, I would also lean with Nevada as well, but I'm not. So go Gators, baby. <laughs> anyway, yeah, totally understandable man yeah so round of 32 uh gonzaga syracuse uh, i think syracuse's zone can cause gonzaga a lot of issues um this is kind of another game that reminds me of last year's um round of 32 where michigan state lost to syracuse uh, in an upset i think that this is a like gonzaga has a kind of a tough road i think because they have to play syracuse in this game and they potentially have to play florida state in the next game but uh do you see them tripping up here do you think uh, it could happen I do think they'll have a little bit of issues um, navigating the two-three zone, but uh, I do think that Mark Few is one of the best coaches that not a lot of people talk about. I think he'll be ready for this one. And honestly, um, uh, to beat the two-three zone, you have to get you have to get a guy in the middle and move the ball around and and shoot over it. And Gonzaga is a very good three-pointing three-point shooting team, and they have um, uh, Hachimura down low to work it dead. So I. I think Syracuse can hang around for a bit, but I, I just don't see them uh, coming out with the win here. It's It would probably be too much for their offense to handle. Yeah, so I mean, it's Gonzaga for me. Exactly. I think you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, Brandon Clark, uh, it's Gonzaga's starting power forward. He's a really versatile player, and he's like perfect for somebody who can break down the middle of that Syracuse zone. 
Um, I also think Syracuse is, has a lot of trouble with scoring. Gonzaga is a pretty good defensive team. So I think they'll be able to stop Syracuse on that end, get out and running before that zone is set up, and I think they'll be able to get the win there. So next, um, mm-hmm. we both have Marquette against Florida State. So this kind of, now I'm going to speak to the fact that even though Marquette is good enough to beat Murray State, I think Marquette is still kind of a overrated team in, in a way. And I actually like Florida State to beat them. I think Florida State, like you said, they played a tough schedule. Um, overall, to me, they seem like they're a really good team. Uh, they're battle-tested. They're very deep. They have a good coach in Leonard Hamilton. And I think Marquette is kind of the opposite, right? Marquette's a team that's not as deep as Florida State. They're a team that didn't play as tough competition. And they're a team that honestly underwhelmed. So I think uh, Florida State will get the win there. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marquette really uh, struggled down the road. Like, I don't know if you saw the Villanova game they they last played. Uh, they were actually up four. And then they got shut out for the entire rest of the game on a while well, Villanova went on a 16 nothing run. So, I mean, it's it's game it's like situations like that which make me really question a team's uh, mental fortitude, especially on a team like Marquette where if if uh their star players uh shots aren't falling, they're in real trouble. So, definitely Florida State here for me. And Florida State, as you know, really good wing defenders, a lot of length on that team and big man down low like uh Kamaji so don't really see how how Marquette gets past Florida State here yeah for sure so I think we're in agreement there so uh Buffalo Texas Tech in the next game we also are in agreement that Buffalo will advance so uh Buffalo against Texas Tech who do you see winning this game uh Texas Tech is a great defense and I think that that might be the uh difference yeah I mean Texas Tech is I believe at one point they were the number one uh, defense. Actually, no, they still are. They are the number one overall uh, efficiency defense in the entire uh, 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 field. Uh, so, I mean, that's a that's a huge thing to have, especially in conference tournament where where, uh, where offense can come and go, but defense is always there. And Buffalo, as good as they are, I don't really think they've played anyone to the level of of texas tech um i believe yeah let's see uh their highest uh their highest rated opponent that they played was toledo uh, and syracuse and they lost to marquette by a lot um on the road so that's that really doesn't bode well i don't really like their strength of schedule here so it's got to be texas tech for me yeah, I mean, for me, uh, it's not as much about strength of schedule and stuff as it is about the fact that Buffalo um, is a team that is wants to get in the lane more than they want to shoot. I don't think they're a great shooting team, if you look at the numbers. So Texas Tech, uh, I think they're switching defense. They can kind of just uh, sit back a little bit more in the paint. They can switch the screens. They don't have to worry as much about Buffalo shooting it over the top. And I think that'll, that'll make the difference. I think Texas Tech will get a win in this game. So then the next game, uh, we differ. So I obviously have Florida. Um, you have Nevada against Michigan. Um, you know, there's a lot of buzz, actually, about Nevada potentially upsetting Michigan. So kind of speak to that a little bit. Do you think that Nevada has a chance to move on to the Sweet 16? Uh, you know, you did say Michigan was the weakest two seed. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I did say Michigan was the weakest two seed, but they do have uh, what a top five defense in, in all of college basketball. Um, as it pertains to this matchup, um, you know, Nevada has the offensive talent to hang with this team for sure. And Michigan at times can really, really go cold on offense. Uh, uh, they really miss a guy like 
they had last year with um, uh, Abdur Rahman. Um, I'd probably still take Michigan here just because I like, I, pre- I have a preference for defensive teams. And, you know, another thing that kind of bothers me about Nevada is um, the level of competition they play in the Mountain West is really not even close to what Michigan sees day in, day out in the Big uh, Ten. So it's got to be Michigan for me. Uh, what about you? Yeah, so I have Florida winning. Um, and obviously, I have Michigan beating Florida because if it comes down to it, you know, uh, Michigan may, may go five minutes without scoring. But against Michigan's defense, uh, Florida could probably go tw- the entire game without scoring more than <laughs> 10 points, in my opinion. Yeah. That's how bad Florida is offensively, um, unfortunately. Yeah, that total that total in that game, uh, if it was uh, Michigan-Florida, man, that, that total might be 110, maybe. It's yeah, not lower. It, it would be low. It'd be low. I, and I would take the under on the 110, to be honest. Um, oh, same. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, let's move on to the Sweet 16 then. We have Gonzaga, Florida State. Interesting fact, uh, Florida State knocked out Gonzaga from last year's tournament uh, as the eight seed. Yep. So, or was it as the eight seed last year? It was, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. I, I do know they got knocked out early, which was unfortunate for me, but yeah. Yeah, so do you think Florida State can repeat that again and get a win over Gonzaga? Man, I don't think it happens this year. Not with uh, the San Jose State transfer, uh, Brandon Clark. Uh, he's going to pose him. Hachimura and Norvell, they're going to pose a lot of problems for this Florida State team. As good as they are defensively, um, they too can really struggle at times to score. Um, if you watched that Duke game the other day, um, they really struggled uh, down the stretch to get good possessions on offense. Uh, and I think they, and Gonzaga feels a pretty, pretty solid defense here too. So I, I think they might struggle here. So I'd, and especially, you have to also factor in the revenge. Uh, if they were to meet, uh, like we have them predicted to, I don't think Gonzaga takes this lightly at all. I think they come out and kill this team. So, yeah, I mean, last yeah, it's year, Gonzaga for me. I think the, I kind of was watching the game and I said, "Oh yeah, I think Gonzaga has this in the bag." You know, they're doing pretty well. And then I come back and all of a sudden, you know, Gonzaga has really st- kind of fallen asleep at the wheel, and Florida State has just overtaken him. So, uh, you know, I don't think Gonzaga lets that happen again. I think this time they keep their uh, pedal to the metal and they, they really get past Florida State. So Totally agree. So then we have an interesting matchup, Texas Tech and Michigan. So, you know, this is a game that I'm really going back and forth on a lot. Uh, both really good defensive teams, obviously. Texas Tech a little bit better defensively than Michigan. And I also believe that Texas Tech is rated a little bit higher than Michigan in uh, offensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Uh, I can double-check that. Um, no, sorry, sorry. Okay, Michigan is 18th in adjusted offense, and ten- Texas Tech is 35th in adjusted offense. So um, for me, I think actually that kind of makes a difference. I think I'm going to uh, go ahead and roll with uh, Michigan to advance to the Elite Eight. Uh, what do you think about that? Mm, personally, I, I, I'm going to go Texas Tech here. Um, and the reason why is uh, I think Texas Tech has the the better three-point shooting uh, capability here. And if you look at look at Michigan, really, uh, Jordan Matthews, ever since he got injured, uh, uh, he really has Charles not... Matthews. Oh, sorry, why did I say Jordan Matthews? Charles Matthews. Yeah. Jordan Matthews is a wide receiver. But uh, yeah, Charles Matthews, yeah, ever since he got injured and he came back on the, the offense, he really has done nothing. And that's a problem, especially going against an elite, te- elite defensive team like Texas Tech. Yeah, um, and, uh, Matthews is really, a go-to guy as well. 
Yeah, and and he hasn't done anything, and he's done nothing to 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 give me confidence in him. Uh, Braz Dacus is incredible, but at the same time, he gets into foul trouble way too quickly, and and it puts his team in in a really tough situation where Cash, uh, not Cassius Winston, um, Xavier Simpson. Uh, yeah, Xavier Simpson. Yeah, Xavier Simpson has to carry the load, and you know, at times, I mean, he's a great defender, but at times, he makes pretty poor decisions with the ball. So it's probably going to be Texas Tech for me, but that, that's going to be a really good game. I, I hope that matchup happens. Yeah, I mean, that, that'd be a great game. Uh, you know, for me, it's Michigan, the slightest of edges. Um, I just think Texas Tech kind of suffers from the same problems that Michigan does, but I just don't, I, but I think that, you know, uh, Michigan's coach, John Beeline, he, he does know how to coach a good offense. I think he'll get his guys to run a good system um, to, to at least make it to the Elite Eight. So I totally agree. Uh, Bayline is one of the t- one of the few coaches that you can just blindly back um, in the tournament. Especially, you could really trust this guy. Uh, I mean, he got it done last year. I I wouldn't be surprised if he got it done against Texas Tech, but I think this year they lack a little bit on offense, and that's going to cost them. Sure, sure. That's uh, that's definitely valid. So uh, next, um, you have you're going to have Gonzaga against Texas Tech in the Elite Eight. Uh, interesting mm-hmm. fact, I believe that no uh, team that has ever lost the first game of their conference tournament has made the uh, Final Four ever, I believe. It's either Final wow. Four or National Championship, one of the two. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, so uh, that's something to, you know, if you're thinking of taking Texas Tech to the Final Four, you may want to think again. Um, but I, I have Gonzaga over in Michigan to the Final Four. Um, I just think Gonzaga is a very complete team. Um, I think they're also a team that the public is fading a lot. Uh, if you kind of look at like who picked who in the ESPN brackets, uh, not a lot of faith in Gonzaga. So I like them to get to the Final Four. Uh, how about you, man? Texas Tech or Gonzaga? Got to be Gonzaga here. Uh, they're uh, yeah, like you said, they're a very complete team. They they got the San Jose tr- State transfer, uh, Brandon Clark, and that's added a new dimension to their their offense. And obviously, Ryu Hachimura comes back for his final year, and He's honestly become, I mean, everyone talks about Zion, but nobody talks about Hachimura because he plays in a, in a, a very small market. Um, yeah, it's got to be Gonzaga here. Uh, I just don't trust Texas Tech offensively against uh, a very good Zags defense. And I think they're going to have problems down low. Um, yeah, I, I would say it's got to be Gonzaga here. I, really no need to bush, beat around the bush here. Cool. So that's all four of the regions done. So my final four is Duke from the east, Gonzaga from the west, Virginia from the south, and Kentucky from the midwest. Uh, how about you? Uh, who do you have, uh, Bobby Jack? So I've got Duke and Gonzaga on uh, that one side of the bracket, and I have Tennessee and UNC in the other side. Cool, cool. So um, how about we start with the uh, left side of the bracket? So that's Duke and Gonzaga. Who do you have winning that one? I'm going to do it. I'm taking Gonzaga. Yeah. Um, I just like this team overall. Yeah. yeah actually, I, I just um, like this team overall. And I, I trust uh, Mark Few. I, honestly, Mark Few and, and Krzyzewski, I don't think there's a difference there if you – if you want to power rate coaches, I, I think Mark Few is one of the top coaches in the in the entire league. And and Gonzaga has the guys down low to match up with Zion Williamson. Obviously, Zion is a hell of a talent, but 
men around them. Um, I mean, I mean, guys like Norvell. I mean, I gotta say, like, it, it's really tough to say that Duke is gonna lose, especially this year, where they're they're so heavily favored to win it all. But I think this is the this is the point where they lose. And honestly, you look back at the last uh, th- this season alone, actually, Gonzaga beat Duke on a neutral floor, and it was it was by a decent margin. Yeah, so uh, it was by two. Points, I could absolutely see it happening again. I believe it was by two points, Abijah. Against it was two points. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But I mean, they were also um, they were also a six seven point underdog in that game. Yeah, which they, they were up eight at halftime though against Duke. So yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, I'm saying that I'm saying they can outplay their their power rating. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, I actually also have Gonzaga in this game uh, for no other reason other than remember I was saying earlier you have to fade Duke at some point because everyone's gonna pick Duke. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is where I'm fading Duke. I think uh, this reminds me a lot of, uh, if you remember, like about four years ago, there was that Kentucky team that everyone thought was unstoppable. And uh, you had that Wisconsin team that was led by like a bunch of kind of, you know, senior leaders, um, really a talented team as well. Uh, Frank Kaminsky was on that team as well. And that Wisconsin team beat Kentucky. And I think this is very similar where Duke is kind of made up of stars, you know, three stars, but I don't really see the supporting cast, you know? And although mm-hmm. I don't think that uh, anyone in the region will beat them, I think eventually uh, somebody's going to beat them. So I kind of want to fade them uh, to win my bracket pool. So that's why I'm going with Gonzaga to win that game. So let's move to the right side. You have Tennessee. Actually, actually wait, wait, wait. Before we get to the right side, I also sure. wanted to add, um, Duke went all the way in the ACC tournament. And typically, teams that go all the way in the ACC tournament do not fare well, especially down the road, because that's almost three, four games in the span of four days. So that's one other factor that, that leads me to to want to take Gonzaga over Duke in this one. Sure, sure. That's definitely fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so then uh, let's move to the right side. So we actually have completely different matchups in the right side, which will be interesting. So I have Virginia and Kentucky, and you have Tennessee and UNC. So how about you start with the Tennessee-UNC pick? Uh, who do you see? Yeah, Tennessee-UNC. Yeah. Um, somewhat of a chalky uh, Final Four we've got, but um, when it comes to UNC Tennessee, um, I think I, I want to go with uh, Roy Williams here and his team, Kobe White, because I trust them just a little bit more in late game situations than Tennessee. I know Tennessee had that insane eight point comeback against uh, Kentucky with like a minute and a half remaining to go, but. Um, now, Kentucky, no, not Kentucky. Uh, Tennessee, they get into trouble sometimes offensively, and they turn over the ball um, at a high rate. And North Carolina makes you pay for for bad offensive possessions and turnovers. So I, I like North Carolina just by a hair to get it get into the final. Cool. So um, between Virginia and Kentucky, for me, um, you kind of look at it. I think. Uh, really here so this is kind of my bracket pool strategy um i kind of like to play play probabilities more than i like to play the teams itself so i think uh both gonzaga and virginia for me represent kind of uh fading the public and also a high probability to get there uh if you look at who virginia has to play at that top of the bracket um none of the teams scare you right because we've already talked about wisconsin Mm -hmm. oregon kansas state um the fact that Oregon has the highest chance to come out of the, that pot of four, um, 
says it all, right, for how hard it is for Virginia to get out of the Sweet 16 into the Elite Eight. And then I think Tennessee being the weakest two seed, right there, boom, Virginia really easy to put in the Final Four combined with the fact that the public is going to fade them because of the whole UMBC thing last year. So that's the first thing. And then uh, secondly, now you have Kentucky in there. And I put Kentucky because North Carolina right now has a second highest uh, backing by the public to um, make the Final Four percentage-wise. So I kind of wanted to fade them and go with Kentucky because I think Kentucky could match up well with North Carolina. Um, So that's kind of why I wanted to go with that. But um, all that being said, kind of the explanation, what I was uh, sort of getting to is that I, I like Virginia to get to the national championship game. Um, you know, again, they have the easiest road, uh, not as many obstacles. And so for me, it's a Gonzaga, Virginia national championship for you. It's con- uh, Gonzaga and, um, UNC, UNC. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So, um, I'll go ahead and make my pick. Uh, it's Gonzaga to beat Virginia. I just think they're a more complete team. I think it's a good way to kind of win your bracket pool to fade the public. But at the same time, I recognize the risk in it because obviously you're picking a mid-major to win. I believe a mid-major has never won the uh, national championship. Am I correct, WJ? It's always been a major conference team. Um, I do believe UConn won. And were they were they considered a mid-major? I don't really I think remember. Big East is considered a power conference. I, I guess. When they won. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When, when they won, it's considered a power conference because I remember the Big East used to have like Syracuse and Louisville in it. Like a lot of teams that moved to the ACC. Yeah, yeah. Very, very true. Um, yeah, so. yeah, I'd have to go back and look, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's harder. It's hard. I think, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, it's hard to say. Um, what was the last time a mid-major team actually won? But then again, Gonzaga is really no mid-major when you really think about it. Yeah, I mean, all that being said, so Gonzaga, UNC for you. Who do you have uh, winning? I I gotta go Gonzaga here. Um, oh, cool! Wow, I, identical yeah. national champions. Interesting. Yeah, so it, that's interesting. I did not. I thought you might go with uh, with a Virginia or something, but uh, yeah, I, I think we're both in agreement. Gonzaga really like this team, um, and I feel like a lot of people are overlooking them for Duke. So uh, I, I think it's a great way to to uh, differentiate differentiate yourself from uh, the other people in your bracket pool for sure. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, I I, I can't emphasize this enough, guys. Um, when you're making a bracket pool pick when it comes down to the end, that's where it's the most important, right? Because that's how you win your bracket pool. You get the most points at the end. And so kind of the thing is, is that you want to have the right picks at the end, but you also don't want to go with like the people's favorite, which is Duke in this case, because uh, if Duke does win, then it kind of comes down to like little itty bitty points here and there. You'd rather have a much higher expected value pick, which is kind of someone the public's fading, but has a really high chance to make it. Um. And those two teams for me are Gonzaga and Virginia. Uh, for Abijay, I mean, he just going with Gonzaga because North Carolina, I think, has pretty high odds to win the national championship. But yeah, I mean, it's just, um, you know, can't emphasize that enough about in your bracket pool, you want to differentiate yourself. Uh, what do you think about that, Abijay? Differentiating yourself and being different. Speaking of the choir here, um, <laughs> I really, yeah, no, I can't, can't stress that enough. You got to have some differentiation. You can't just go all favorites. I mean, obviously, we. We played it safe for the most part. Didn't call too many upsets, but um, you have to pick your spots really. Um, like for me, last year, one example that I, I really liked um, in terms of differentiating myself from everyone: uh, uh, the Texas Tech versus Purdue game. 
I went with Texas Tech, and I loved that play. And I would say 90, 90% of the people in my bracket uh, went Purdue because they were the bigger name, uh, to, say the, to say the least. And uh, Texas Tech won handily. So, um, and that, that was a huge uh, 80 points, I believe. That was in the, the uh, Sweet 16. So little things like that. If you can find uh, that one matchup where you would think that uh, majority of people who don't really know much about college basketball might just go with the big name team. You can really find a lot of that value, and potentially those those extra forty points might might get you a, a higher place at the end. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, the opening rounds are really fun, but the Sweet Sixteen and in is where you really want to nail your picks and make sure that that's where you're kind of gaining points on the competition. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyways, I think that about wraps it up for today, man. So good talk. Um, again, we broke down the Midwest and South regions of the bracket on uh, Monday's episode. And today we did the um, West and the East uh, regions. So if you want to check out all the regions, make sure you listen to both episodes. And uh, thank you, Abhijay, for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yep, yep. It's been a been a journey to the end of the bracket, but hopefully you guys enjoyed and there was plenty of information there to help you guys make your bracket picks. Uh, once again, you can find us on Instagram at Streak for the Pod. And if you're listening on iTunes, please leave us a rating and a review because we'd love the feedback to make the podcast better. For our producer, Omkar Moge, I'm Ronak Modi. Thanks for listening to another episode.